Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. us today to just spend a few moments just reading scripture. Um, I love that God has given us this word. Uh, I mean, uh, I love that he didn't just send us a WhatsApp, you know, a little SMS. Uh, what's Twitter? It used to be 140 characters. I don't even know what it is now. But imagine if God had just, you know, loved us so much that he gave us a tweet. You know, that he he gave us one little meme. No, he gave us his word. He, he, he gave us this whole collection that we can hold on to, that we can spend time studying and, and reading. And, you know, just the last year, I've been amazed at just again at what happens in our minds when we get bored. Just over a year that we've been in lockdown. Can you guys believe that? And. Amazing, just some of the theories. And I remember sort of in the first week of, it was maybe even before lockdown started, I got this voice note from a pastor, apparently, that someone forwarded on to me and went through the trauma of listening to all 18 minutes or whatever of this voice note was about this man who had had this revelation that this was just about 5G. It wasn't a real sickness. It was some plan to take over the world. But don't worry, he and some friends have been developing an alternate economic system and, you know, I, I get something like that, and I'm just, can we just spend time in the Word? And I had a conversation with a blessing, amazing person in church who sent that to me. And just a simple question is, where do we align anything we're reading, we're hearing this person sharing with us with the Word? And I'm just, again, just as we've been bored in this last year, just so much stuff that's been floating. I don't even want to try and remember how many hashtags we've had in this last year. How many moves, how many big things that last for two weeks. And maybe they weren't so big. I love the big thing we've got now because it's fun. You know, the ship's stuck. I was speaking to some people. They didn't even know that the ship is stuck yet. The ship is stuck. It is still stuck. The whole Suez Canal is blocked. You know, you can bring the world to its knees by just parking your ship sideways in the Suez Canal, which apparently is not a good thing to do when the canal is 200 meters wide and your ship is 400 meters long. If you've missed this, pick up your cell phone, go to BBC, go to CNN, and just look at the ship standing skew in the Suez Canal. And suddenly they're coming past, they discover there's a Cape of Good Hope, and we're sailing past the Cape of Good Hope now again. But it's just a... You know, that's a great distraction almost. It's serious, but it's not that serious. But, you know, we get sucked into all of these things. And even as believers, we get sucked into this hashtag, this move, this new thing, this conspiracy theory even. I, was, I just so loved right at it started. I just actually stole it from someone else who'd been spending time in the Word and just resonated in my heart. Our scripture just says, do not call a conspiracy what everyone calls a conspiracy. And I remember, I think that thing kind of, I'm not that big on social media, but that had about 100 shares. Is, you know, the answers to the questions we seek are in the Word. And I wonder how lazy we are often, how lazy I am in just seeking the answers in the Word. 
And so I want us today, just as we kind of just keeping our eyes focused towards, you know, even Bible school. I know many of us here have done Bible school. There's no reason you can't come and, in a sense, do Bible school again or just bring someone with you to the first few weeks of Bible school. Just allow the Word to permeate their spirits. Just make them hungry for the Word. Some people always say, but what if they only come for one or two weeks of Bible school and they don't stay for the rest? I can only do one semester of Bible school. My answer is, one week of Bible school is better than no weeks of Bible school. And two weeks is even better, and a semester is even better. Rather do one semester of Bible school than no Bible school. Just because you don't know if you're going to be here second semester is not a reason to not do the first semester. To take time out, and some of us here are a little bit older, and it's a little bit more tricky finding space on a Tuesday evening. I always try and tell that to students. Just in this week again, I was saying to the students, you know, you have more time now than you are ever going to have for the rest of your life. And they look at you with these big eyes. It's not possible. We are so busy now, Philip. You have no idea. I could only wake up at 10 o'clock this morning, you know. But to find time, to invest time in the Word. Obviously, Bible school is a great way, sort of just a structured study of Scripture. But even outside of that, just invest time reading the Word, just in our own private lives. And if you have Bibles here, you can turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. And I want us today just to spend a few moments reading Psalm chapter 1 together. It's just six verses, but just like all of Scripture, it's six verses which we could spend weeks on. I read, some of you may have read a fantastic book by Louis Giglio. It's called I Am Not, but I Know I Am. He's one of those wordsmiths. Isn't that just a brilliant title? I Am Not, but I Know I Am. And in there, he's got this section at the end on how to do Bible study. And I love what he says. He says that, you know, there are times when we must read reams and reams of Scripture. But he says at that stage when he wrote that, he, he found himself doing Bible study differently. He was doing Bible study on a verse a month. Just one verse for a whole month. And, you know, we can do that. We can just dig so deep into Scripture if we allow the Holy Spirit to breathe over it. And it speaks to us every time. And so for this morning, just these six verses, and we start Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, and the first word, blessed. Blessed. I think that for those who have, um, I almost call it the apostolic Bible. It's not quite that. <laughs> um, amplified Bible. You know, some people almost think it's more Bible than the rest of the Bible. No, it's not more Bible. It's just great interpretation helps us understand some of the the words which we maybe lose a little bit of the translation. It's not perfect either. It's not kind of everything isn't necessarily interpreted correctly in the Amplified Bible either. But I think the Amplified would say if it was blessed, it says happy and to be envied. And I love that as just the heart of God's heart towards you and towards me. Blessed. Too often as well, just in our modern church, in modern life, we equate blessed with bank account, blessed with size of the house, blessed with logo on the car. And there could be those blessings. I mean, my wife and I, you guys are here, we count our blessings every day staying in this house. It is so amazing. It's such a privilege that we get to do this. 
But as we read Scripture and study Scripture, we understand that blessing is much more powerful, far more deeper than financial resources. That there's blessing in relationship. That there's blessing in knowing Christ, that God wants you and me to be blessed. 3 John verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health even as your soul prospers. That I really believe that that's God's heart for you, that you would prosper in all things. In all things, in our relationships, in our, our friendships, in the people around us. You know, I think there's a scripture I'm paraphrasing now. It says, you know, better to live in peace with friends in a small kind of place than to eat, you know, the feast of all the princes. You know, it's more blessed. Sometimes it's more blessed to have less in the natural, in the bank account, in the house size, but to have more in the heart. And so Scripture says blessed. Blessed is sort of how the whole of book of Psalms starts. It's about us stepping into understanding something of the blessing that God has prepared for us. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the person. It's a generic term there. It's not just male. And then it says blessed and immediately begins to speak to our community, our friendship, to those around us. I remember a couple of years ago speaking to, to students, specifically first-year students at the start of their year. I think I termed the message, choose wisely, because Scripture and Proverbs says that a man must choose his friends wisely. We are the company we keep. We become those that we hang around with. Blessed is the man who walks not in counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of scoffers. Who We don't surround ourselves with people who are ungodly, people who do not fear God. And obviously the challenge here is not for us to remove ourselves from the world. We need to have people in our lives. We need to be in the lives of people who are far from God. But at the same time, we understand that those are not the people we allow to to necessarily be those speaking predominantly into our lives. We don't sit with them when they are scoffing and when they are making evil plans and wicked. We don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Yes, I can have amazingly wicked people in my lives, but I don't have to be part of their wickedness. I can be there as a friend. They can be over for a bribe, but I can say, here is where I draw a line. I love you. But when that starts happening, I'm going to get in my car and we're going to leave. And then I'll phone you again tomorrow and we'll catch up and we'll be friends. But there are, are certain behaviors that I cannot be part of, that I can't align myself with. I don't walk in counsel of the wicked. I don't listen too much to them. I don't stand in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of scornful, of scoffers. And then verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law. He meditates day and night. So blessed is the person who doesn't surround himself with evildoers, but he surrounds himself with the law of the Lord. Blessed. I love that. I, I love the idea that God wants to pour grace and favor sort of by his definition, not by ours, into our lives. And the key to unlocking that is his word. It's to spend time in His Word, to spend time studying to make His Word our delight. 
to delight in the law of the Lord. I remember when I was studying, and this is probably a, a good idea even now. You know, when you're studying, when you're a student, most of us here, we went to university, we understand a little bit, you know, that exam stress. Tomorrow morning, nine o'clock, it's happening. Whether I want it to happen or not, whether I feel good about it or not, is absolutely irrelevant. Tomorrow, nine o'clock, it's happening. I can decide not to go. It's going to be a disaster. But I cannot change the fact that this thing needs to happen tomorrow morning, nine o'clock. So I need to study. I need to prepare. And so I just had this little thing for myself, especially during exam time when the pressure is there. I'm not going to study for my academics until I've spent at least 20 minutes studying the Word. And so I can procrastinate and procrastinate, but I know the exam is coming. I can only procrastinate so long. I need to start studying. Okay, so I need to spend time in the Word. I'm going to be diligent. And you know one of the beautiful things about that? I think it's Psalm 119 verse 99. I think I have more understanding than all of my teachers. Great word here for those of us who are still students. I have more understanding than all of my teachers because your testimonies are my meditations. I always used to quote that before I went into exam. <laughs> it's great to have more understanding than your teachers. They don't always agree, but hey. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. You know, this morning, what I'm just trusting God just to stir in every one of us is just a new, just a renewed love for the law of the Lord. It's amazing how in, you know, sort of modern church circles even, you know, some words, religious words, get a bad rep. You know, we, we're not like using that word. One of them is religion. You know, religion is bad. Except in the word, Scripture says that pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows and to keep ourselves undefiled, unspotted by the word. So either that's a really bad thing to do or we just have a misunderstanding of what God uses when he uses the word religion. Yes, empty works, just bad actions. And that's normally what we kind of say kind of when we use the religion in a bad context. But there's a good context to religion. And Scripture says that pure and undefiled religion, and similarly the law has a bad rap at times. We stay away from the law. No, we're just being full of the law. No, we mustn't hold on to the law except Scripture says, but our delight is in the law. When our delight is in the law and not in the law, in our keeping of the law, keeping the ritual, but our delight is in the law of the Lord, the word that He has spoken and in that law, and on that law, we meditate day and night. Meditation is a, a practice which isn't so popular within the modern church. And meditation, and from time to time, my kids kind of make this joke as well. You know, they go and sit in a lotus position. They say, this is not how we must meditate. You know? <laughs> this is not the way to, when we're talking about meditation in a scriptural sense, we're not talking about emptying our mind. And predominantly, Eastern meditation would be about emptying our mind. Biblical meditation is about filling our mind. Specifically, the Word. Thinking on the Word. Thinking on the things of God. That's what meditating means. It means we're taking my mind and I'm having my mind be occupied with something deliberate. Thinking over and over the same thing repeatedly. That's meditation. But His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in it, He meditates day and night. 
I find myself meditating over a bunch of different things just day to day. You know, you get to put my head in the pillow at night and kind of just where we're at now, just thinking about this venue. You know, we've got this one venue. We're considering the challenges you need. One parking bay for every five seats. We can only fit in so many parking bays. John kind of went and drew a sketch up and demolished everything and put in parking bays. How many parking bays can we fit into this? I'm meditating over that. I'm thinking kind of, is it okay? Is it enough space? Is it too big? Is it too small? Do we need to change? Is it too much money? Is it not enough money? Meditating. And all of us, we've got those things we meditate over. We come home from work and we're meditating. We're thinking about this project we're busy with. We're going over and over. And that's just meditation. And some of us, we need to become deliberate again to meditate in the Word. This doesn't say it's bad to meditate on those other things. We need to think. We need to apply our minds. But there's this time and space where we kind of push pause and we fill our mind with the Word of God. Yes, this decision at work needs to be made. Yes, this project needs to develop. Yes, we need to make that appointment. All of those things are important. But I'm going to pause that and I'm not going to meditate on that. I'm going to meditate on the Word for a moment. A verse, a passage, a life story. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Moses. I just so loved sharing about Moses in the evening service. It was amazing how many of the students, there were, I think, 10 brand new first year students that don't know how they find out about us anyway. They just arrived there. We're in this little hall in the evenings at the moment, and which is great. And we thank that church. We bless the church that allows us. But they're starting their evening services as well. And that is kind of spillover effects into our evening services. Speak about just the life of Moses, just talking through Moses. And these kids who've been in church all their life, they tell me, they said they've never thought of Moses like that. Just taking time to meditate on the life of Moses. And so Psalm 1 here tells us, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. What if we were to make the law of the Lord, the word of the Lord, our meditation repeated over and over? And then he goes on to describe this man who is blessed because his delight is in the law of the Lord. This man is like a tree planted by streams of water. I think all of us have probably done enough gardening in our lives to know that water is key. We spent... A lot of time earlier in our lives, Yaku and some of the rest of you were, were part of that as well. We would take our December holiday as students. Six weeks of it. Normally it was about seven or eight weeks. It's like my kids now, they just had like a four-month holiday. How crazy is that? Schools, you know, Varsity started last week. We're middle March. Varsity started last week. Something is not right about that. But we would start sort of obviously the big middle of January and you would end late. November, we would take the whole of December and a week or two into January, and we would travel around the country. It was just an incredible time working with a bunch of different churches. Um, so a team would go ahead and they would cycle around the country, 100 kilometers a day roughly, cycling, spending time praying for the country. As they were cycling, they'd stop every sort of halfway through the day. They would stop and they would spend an hour or two praying for the country. And then that evening, praying again for the country, just seven times, circling the country in prayer for seven years. And we would have a team doing evangelism work and training, working with pastors. 
And I remember kind of traveling through the Northern Cape. Anyone here from the Northern Cape? Only John. Okay, so we can be mean about the Northern Cape. A couple of years ago, it was one of those student services. We were just having a bunch of fun. And you know, Jesus is from, Ganas- from Nazareth. And someone says, can anything good come from Nazareth? And I said, that's a little bit like Benonial Springs, you know. <laughs> can anything come from Benonial Springs good? I can't remember which one it was. It was a joke. Great people come from there. And after the service, this one student comes up to me very serious and says, I've never been so offended in my life. <laughs> she was from Benoni. Um, so beautiful things like John come from the Northern Cape. But it's a, it's a beautiful but different, it's semi-desert, it's arid. And it's beautiful traveling there because from time to time, you sort of the road goes close to where the Orange River is. And then for a kilometer or two, either side of the river, it's just this green, green, green stretch. I remember spending time there in Camus with a friend at a step farm and going up on a hill. And you can see just on the flatness of the Northern Cape, you can see exactly where the Orange River goes because there's just a strip of green all around it. And Scripture says, you and I are like that strip of green, like a tree planted by the water or by the streams of water, not arid, not dry, not struggling for survival. There's enough water, there's sustenance, there's provision in our lives that yields its fruit in season. We've got, apparently, I'm told, not these guys, you can have some of these if you want. Marifa says they're really nice. But over there, we've got peach trees. Except the label says flowering peaches. I look at that's pretty useless. Because a flowering peach is nice, but I'm told we'll still see when we get there that we're not going to have any fruit on those trees. And I figure if you're going to plant a peach tree, you might as well plant a fruit-bearing peach tree. But Scripture says we're more like the mango tree over there. That when we abide in the Word, yes, the birds have eaten the mangoes before we could get to them, but next year we're going to beat the birds. That yields its fruit in its season. That at the right time, in the right season, you are going to be fruitful. You know what I love around a passage like this? Is I love the absoluteness of the language. It's not you might sometimes be like a tree planted by streams of water, which on occasion yields fruit in its season. No, there's a surety in the psalmist here. It will be so. You will be like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Its leaves does not wither. I was watching that series on, on Netflix about the narcotics guys. And this one guy starts planting marijuana. They call it something different, but it's basically kind of a hybrid marijuana in the desert in um, and apparently it's true stories with a bit of dramatization in Mexico. Just this massive, massive, massive field. And at some stage he's all upset because his plants are dying because there's no water. And they start digging and they kind of, they figure that, spoke to some geologists and there must be an aquifer under here somewhere. And eventually they hit water. And the guy's all upset because his plants are withering because there's no water. 
they're useless. They obviously that that specific crop doesn't have the most amazing use. But the crop is useless because it's withering. There's not water, and then he strikes water one day, throws a bunch of hand grenades because they drug lords down the hole, <laughs> and water comes flying up. And they hit water, and a couple of scenes later, they show that same field, and it's prospering. And It's not an amazing crop, but from an agricultural point of view, it's amazing just to see how they're flourishing in the midst of the desert because there's water. You know, that's exactly how God wants to look at you and me, flourishing, our leaves not withering. I love this. All that He does, He prospers. Isn't that a great confidence to go into life with, to know God that whatever this hand touches is going to, figuratively speaking, turn to gold, God, because your promise is that whatever I do will prosper. The scary thing about that is if I do unrighteousness, the unrighteousness will prosper too. But I've got my eyes fixed on Jesus. I'm spending time in the Word, so hopefully God is working more and more righteousness in me, and the outflow of that is my actions become righteous, and whatever I put my hand to will prosper. I believe that is what God wants for you and for me to know His ways, to know His Word, to delight in the law, and for whatever I hand touch to prosper. For those of us who are fathers, to prosper as dads. For those of us who are moms, to prosper as moms. For those of us who are teachers, to prosper as teachers. As business owners, to prosper in our business. To those of us who are cyclists, to prosper in our cycling or in our whatever it is we do, in our gardening, in our playing, in our working, in our living, to be prosperous, not in a worldly sense, but God breathing over what we do. The wicked, they are not so. They are like old chaff that the wind drives away. They are exactly like those who have withered and fallen off, and the wind comes and it blows them away. There's no backbone in them. There's no stability in them. They just wither and they die, and there's no longevity. And therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. And that for me is just such a reminder that God sees the righteous. Another one of my favorite scriptures, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking those whose hearts are loyal to him so he might show himself strong on their behalf. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are loyal to him so that he might show himself faithful on their behalf. God knows the way of the righteous. He knows the way in which we should go and the way in which we are going. But what I also take strength from this is that the unrighteous will not prosper. They may a little bit, a little bit later on in one of the Psalms in the mid-30s, David is like worrying about why, are the, why does the evil prosper in the response sort of through the psalm is don't lose heart when it seems as if the evil is prospering. It is just for a time. It is just for a season. And we live in a world where all over, you know, there's drug dealers and they were some evil people. And there was, I mean, there's a time when Pablo Escobar was thought to be the richest person in the world from swelling, swelling, <laughs> from selling cocaine. And just 
evil just in his whole empire, just murder and just a, a whim, just abusing and killing and children and bombing places. It seemed to be prospering. But it would only prosper for a short time. And then even more, more than just this earth, for eternity, there would be significant judgment. I don't know the man, never met him, obviously didn't spend any time with him, don't know if he put his faith in Christ before he got shot on a roof by policemen trying to run away from him. But he is going to have some serious questions to answer on a day of judgment. And let's not forget that eternal moment. That at times it may seem that something is prospering, but there is an eternity in which God would breathe on us. There is an eternity in which our actions here, you know, Gladiator was right. Some of you haven't watched Gladiator recently, must watch it again. What we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in this life will echo in our eternity. As we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, God knows the way of the righteous and the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment. But you and I, we spoke about it earlier, because of the blood of Christ, because of what He has done, not because of our, our righteousness, not because of our great works, we are able to stand on the day of judgment. Not without sin, but as if we were without sin because of the blood of Jesus. I want to pray this morning that we would be the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked and all of that, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who on his law meditates day and night. And that as we do that, that we would see those streams of living water feeding us, nourishing us, sustaining us, that we would yield fruit in our season, that our leaves would not wither, that in everything we do we shall prosper. That God would breathe over the work of our hands, that he would lead us to do what he wants us to do, and that he would breathe life over it, that we would prosper because of his breath upon us. Can I pray for us as we close this morning? Lord Jesus, this morning I want to thank you just for the fact that we can gather together, but not just that we're here for some arbitrary reason. We gather together because of your spirit and because of your word, and your spirit which is dwells right in the midst of us wherever we gather. And your word, Lord, which is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray just for every one of us, would you give us a renewed love for your word, Lord. And a re renewed hunger, Lord, even a renewed ability to meditate in your word day and night. That we would find our delight in your word, Jesus. God, I pray even for Bible school in this week that you would breathe life over it, Lord God. God, I pray that you would use it to make many others who would be blessed because they don't stand in the way of sinners, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. That they would not only love your word, but they would understand your word, that we would understand your word, that we would rightly divide the word of truth, as Paul, as Paul explains to Timothy to do, Lord. We want to do that, God. Would you equip us? Would you teach us? For those who are not doing Bible school, who have done Bible school, who are unable to do Bible school, God, we pray that you would still use your word to speak to us, to inspire us, to lead us in truth. That we would prosper in all that we do, Lord. That we would be planted 
by streams of water, Lord, that we would bear fruit at the right season and not wither. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that you enjoyed your time with us, establishing God's kingdom and His glory in your life. For more info, call us on 012-362-1363. Email us, pretoria at shofaronline.org. Browse our website, www.shofaronline.org. Or like us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria.org.